Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? A Korean Airlines Boeing 707 is fired on by the Soviets and crashes in Russia. Afghanistan has a pro-Russian military coup leading to 10 years of Russian occupation, and the Gutenberg Bible sells for $2 million in a New York City auction. This is April of 1978, and we're What the Riff. I'm Bruce. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And I'm John. And what do we have here? All right, guys. In April of 1978, this album came out. It's on a concert film called The Greatest Concert Film Ever. I bring you The Last Waltz. Uh, the meaning of the concert it was going to be the farewell concert appearance by the group, the band. Do y'all know how these guys got their name? Which band is this? It's the band. It's just the band. It's not, not band or a band. It's the band. Back when Bob Dylan went electric, he had to get some guys to back him up. So he uh-huh. got these guys, and he just called it Bob Dylan and the Band. And so, very generic, but that's how they got their name. This concert was held on Thanksgiving Day in 1976 in San Francisco. It was promoted by Bill Graham, if you remember him. Great promoter. They actually served turkey dinners out to the audience because this concert was long as all get out. There's over 45 numbers played that night, and only 30 of them made it to the album. Did you say they served jerky dinners? <laughs> it was probably jerky, jerky, turkey at by the time they got to the audience. As long as they yeah. had stuff in, I'm all right. This episode is going to be two and a half hours long, by the way, because Wayne's featuring this album. Well, it was, well, it was interesting. It was directed by Martin Sucasi. So if you guys, he made a documentary out of this, and it came out a year later. It was actually out on, um, if you go out to the midnight movies and stuff at this time, it actually came out in December, but by the time the album came out, it started making the nighttime movies and things of that sort. But yeah, it was great. So we're, we're dealing this first song, which um, I tell you what, I don't think it could be covered these days because it obviously refers to the Confederate side of the American Civil War. Are those in the South call it what, Bruce? The War of Northern Aggression. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Actually, I thought this was a standard, but it was really written by Robbie Robertson, um, the lead guitarist. And um, Levon Helm also said he was on it, uh, written on it. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Robert got all the, um, I guess, the credit. credit on it. So and that kind of started. That was one of the things that kind of, you know, were underpinning and why these guys broke up. But it's about a poor white Southerner suffering during the last years of the Civil War. And for those outside the United States, Dixie refers to the South at that time, and I guess still does. Um, it was one somebody said this song has brought an overwhelming sense of human history that this song does. And it was written by, they're all almost all Canadians. 
Really? And, and they said this is really more of a anti-war song. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty interesting that they had enough. We don't know much about Canadian history, and but we know obviously a lot about ours, but they know a lot about our history too. Right. And um, this song was considered one of the um, 500 songs that shaped rock and roll by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and by Rolling Stone, one of the top 500 songs of all time. Wow. Joan Baez actually took this song to number three in 1971. This obviously was written before that, but obviously being the last song and everything else. But, you know, uh, I mean, a lot of artists have done this song. Johnny Cash, Alma Brothers, Charlie Daniels, John Denver, Big Country. <laughs> I don't know why they would have do that song. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, Black Crows, Jerry Garcia, Zach Brown Band, just to name a few. Wow. You know, you know what I really like about this song? They've got those horns in there, which yeah. means the band is backed up by the band. And it was Alan Toussaint. <laughs> if you guys know anything in the jazz, jazz type oh, yeah? flavors, yeah, he's one of the ones that did this. So, And one thing about the South, if it wasn't for air conditioning, I don't know if the South could have recovered from the Civil War. You know, Now everybody wants to move down here, but don't. It's still really hot. Yeah. <laughs> how much you guys stay up how, north. How much air condition was around during the Civil War, well, the post-Civil None. War That's what I'm saying. I'm saying it, you know, we wouldn't have, the South wouldn't have kind of came back. By the way, then. speak for yourself. I know a lot of Canadian history. I learned uh, on the documentary uh, Letterkenny, there's a, a, <laughs> a lot of information I've picked up. <laughs> hey, I love my Letterkenny. <laughs> What do we got here? We just drifted into another one. <laughs> yes, we are. All right, so I had to throw this Bob Dylan song here just for Bruce and, and Rob because we know what fans they are of, of, of uh, Bob Dylan. But this is a traditional folk song called Baby, Let Me Follow You Down. You want me to edit this out, Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to edit this down to about four minutes. <laughs> did, did Bob Dylan appear on stage with him at, yes, in this Yes, this is Bob Dylan headlining. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, all right, get a load of the people who performed in this concert. All right, we got Bob Dylan, Paul Butterfield, if you remember him, Mike Bloomfield, Ooh. obviously those are two big blues guys, Eric Clampton, Neil Diamond, Emmy Lou Harris, Dr. John, Joni Mitchell, Van Morrison, Ringo Starr, Muddy Waters, Ronnie Wood, the Staple Singers, Neil Young, and more. And we talked about Alan Toussaint being on there in the background. Are you sure this is Bob Dylan? Yeah, can you imagine that guitar in the background? Well, it's it's I can understand the words though. So yeah, I know that as this is before he he started mumbling. So I it's guess. 1978, yes. and they have a concert, and nobody invited the Bee Gees <laughs> in 1978. <laughs> well, the concert was in '76, so this is well before. Oh, that. this oh, is yeah, when the when the documentary was they out. Were, they were children at that point. Yeah, yeah, but even in '76, they were still staying alive. They were staying alive. <laughs> This was off Bob Dylan's debut album, but obviously this is the one of the songs that got him booed off the stage at one time. If oh, you guys we're going that. electric. We'll discuss yeah. that in another podcast or probably. But uh, but we'll leave it up to Bruce or Rob to do a uh, Bob Dylan album whenever it comes down. Not quite. <laughs> now, you guys might remember... Uh, I guess when we did the Easy Rider soundtrack in episode 239, um, we covered their biggest song, and we're not going to do that again. What was that? It was called The Wait. You know, Take a Load Off Mary. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we did that. And, you know, I mean, that's that's the song everybody kind of attributes to them. Obviously, the night they drove a Dixie down. We'll do up on Cripple Creek soon. But, yeah, I just wanted to kind of, like, 
give you a flavor of, of the number of people there. I didn't do all band songs. Yeah. I, you know, the band was on stage pretty much the whole time. You're talking about 40 songs, so she's that concert had what? Five hours? I don't know. Yeah. Now, where were you living when this happened? When this uh, when this happened, I was actually living in California, but I was in Southern California. Uh, did you know about the concert going on? No, I did not. I knew about the album after it came out, but I did not know. I, I wasn't. I was just a kid. I did, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was 14 years old. So, all right, guys. Everything's going what? It's going to be all right. All right. all right, so you guys are going, wait a minute, this is this is not <laughs> the band or Bob Dylan or anybody else, but this is a legend. Muddy Waters. Oh, yeah. Manish Boy. Yes. Now, we can hear George Thurgood, everybody else. I mean, everybody, everybody stole from this guy. I mean, you got Led Zeppelin who did a whole lot of love and... Buddy's water song was "You Need Love." <laughs> I mean, you had ACDC. You shook me all night long, and Muddy Water's song is "You Shook Me." You know, I mean, there's, yeah, you, there's, there's a lot of people on there. Uh, Isn't that word "influenced by"? Yeah, yeah, that's looking for. <laughs> Heavily influenced by. You're gonna hear something coming in here, but this is the song. The Rolling Stones got their name from. So he'll talk about I'm a Rolling Stone. So, but yeah, the Beatles played their music. Obviously, the Stones, Animals, Yardbirds, Cream, the original Fleetwood Mac, the Peter Green version, yeah, and everything. So, ZZ Top, Jimi Hendrix, Steve Winwood. When we talk about him, heck, Eric Clampton served as a best man for the wedding of Muddy Waters. Really? Yes. You know. I'm assuming not his first wife. No, probably not. But if you know anything about this, this is uh, uh, Muddy Waters' answer to Bob Diddley's I'm a Man, which has in turn inspired this song and Willie Dixon's Hoochie Coochie Man. I'm a Rolling Stone. There was I'm a Rolling Stone. He just said it. Yeah, I heard it. I guess it's a good thing that they took the Rolling Stones rather than the Hoochie Coochie Man. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure there's probably a group out there like that. <laughs> the shirts would have looked a lot different. <laughs> well, Muddy Waters is known as the father of modern Chicago blues. More of the electric stuff, even though he was originally coming out. But he embraced electric, so he just took it to that next level and made it more popular. And um, if you like rock and roll, get some Muddy Waters. Listen to it. All those British acts in the 60s would listen to it. And, you know, and there was a reason why. There's a reason why when the Rolling Stones came, they didn't want to go to New York. They wanted to go to Chicago, and they wanted to be at those clubs and meet Muddy Waters. Obviously, they met Water Waters. Manish Boy. There's, there's the title. My guy's got an idea about why he would do this song. Think of the time period in the 50s. What was the a derogatory term oh, a lot of yeah. white people would yeah. call people? Okay, that makes sense. They, they, you know, they, a lot of people were calling black people, black males, boys. And so this is like, hey, you know, I'm a man and everything. So it was, it was a way to try to tell people, look, no, you're going to treat me like a man. So. Yeah. 
It was interesting. He got the nickname Muddy because he liked to play in muddy water. His real name is McKinley Morganfield. Wow. You know, so you know, I, I like muddy waters better yeah. myself. Manish Boy was using the foot Goodfellas, Better Off Dead and Risky Business. Someone said on, on on one of the comments I was looking at, goes, women get pregnant just watching this video. <laughs> I could play this on the harmonica. Oh, really? This riff. Yeah, I learned how to play it for... Sweet. At, at a trade show, we were doing an awards presentation, and so I wrote this blues riff, and that's what I used for the background. One thing I saw that was really interesting is that uh, back in the day, I, I knew it happened, but in, in the... Uh, depression era and obviously also through World War uh, II uh, the Library of Congress would send out guys with recorders to record all these people doing folk music and everything or their local music and Muddy Waters is on there called the Complete Plantation Recordings you know so if you if Library of Congress I'll put the link I think I sent you guys the link to that you can go in there there's probably 100,000 songs on there that are all done by somebody just with a handheld recorder. And I, a lot of it's a real hard edge country or twangy mm-hmm. country, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and then some of it obviously is gospel. There was a big gospel thing, but obviously blues. So to me, we'll put that link on, on our Facebook page. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully you guys can check it out. It's really fun. I got I went down a rabbit hole there. I've started going sure. nuts, you know. So, but yeah. The original song was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame of Classic Blues Recordings. It was also in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. And also, Manish Boy was ranked by Rolling Stone as one of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Wow. So, you know, so... You know, we hit two songs here, and they're yeah. they're they're people they're in people's top five hundred. Well, once the again. top five hundred longest songs, I can tell you that. <laughs> this riff, though, it is yeah. if you're thinking blues, this is the first riff that will come to mind. Yeah. yeah. All right, we talked about this next song, and I tell you what, this is one song I thought it was about a town in Colorado, up in Gold Country, Colorado. And it's called Cripple Creek. I've been there. It's an old gambling town. I mean, they've re- refurnished it. They've got a lot of uh, gambling houses there and everything. And there was a traditional song called Cripple Creek that was about that. But no, this is up on Cripple Creek. And it's it's basically about a place up in New York. So, and everything. I don't know. So... But it's about a truck driver, and he just drives across country back and forth. He's got people, and he's got. It's almost like that. What, what's that song? Uh, the where you have a, a sailor and, and a, a, a person, a woman in each port, whatever. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it was. It's like that. So this guy has somebody in California, has somebody in Louisiana and everything. Is he riding down the road trying to loosen his load and he's got seven women on his mind? (laughs) Except for he wasn't in Winslow, Arizona. Actually, a friend of mine's going Winslow, Arizona this weekend. So I I recognize it now. Hear that? That's a Wawa pedal with a clavinet. 
Oh, okay. It's one of the first times it's it's ever been done. So pretty funky. Yeah, it is funky. Now these songs, if this is supposedly their last. By the way, was this their last concert? Yes, as a whole. Okay. Robbie Robertson would not come back, but they tried to form back later, and it. Okay. So they did some reunion stuff or whatnot. Yeah. But I'm assuming that these songs, even though we're in April '78. They would have come out probably late 60s, yeah. early 70s. Yeah, this is a greatest hits, basically. Okay. And, and yeah, uh, really, get the whole album. It's a three-album set. Mm-hmm. So I CD or download the whole thing. But, yeah, if you look at it, we there's a deluxe version that probably has all these songs on there on, on iTunes. So, yeah. yeah, go and do that. But if you're going to get the three-album set, you might want to have some, like, beef jerky or something yeah. available because it, it's a long play. Let me talk about the band a little bit. You know, I mean, every member was multi-instrumentalist, so they all played something different. Rick Danko was the bass guitar. He did the fiddle. He also sang a little bit, but, you know. Then there's Garth Hudson. He was on the organ and piano and synthesizers, the saxophone, the clavinet. Richard Manuel was on the piano, organ, drums, you know, clavinet. Robbie Robertson, I told you about. He's the one who wrote most of the songs. Uh, He's on the guitar and the piano. Then um, this is Levon Helm. He's the one that he's actually singing while drumming this. So he also plays the mandolin. So he kind of sounds like Charlie Daniels. Uh oh, who's that? Who's that? Yeah. A yodel. A yodel, yodel, yodel. <laughs> this is like this is a little closer to country than I think rock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would oh, exactly. Agree. They're considered country rock. Lynch is building his case to do Saturday Night Fever. You know that, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> all. all Every argument I'm going to make until I play that is going to be, why is one excluded to the inclusion of the other? Yeah. Well, one, they're Canadian, and you know we have a bias towards Canadian groups. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, they're Aussies. And also, they're inducted in, into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Music Hall of Fame, and unlike the Bee Gees, the Rolling, St- Rolling Stone ranks them one of the top 50 artists of all time. Really? Well, un- unlike unlike them, the Bee Gees have one of the top-selling albums of all time. <laughs> in, in 2023, when we're recording this, it's still in the top five. <laughs> By the time he's done, Lynch is going to be saying, if I can't have Saturday Night Fever, I don't want nobody, baby. Yes, yes. To digress about the style, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of New Orleans kind of bass stuff here, English blues, Chicago blues, country, a lot of folk, obviously. I mean, folk and country, almost, it's not the same, but it's in that same genre. So, yeah. it, you know, especially when it, you, you go way back to the, you know, like we're talking about in the 1930s and stuff. Were these folks based in East Coast, like New York? Uh, actually, yes, Woodstock. Okay. <laughs> That's where they had houses at. They actually performed at Woodstock also. Well, it was just down the road. Yeah, they exactly. didn't have to find yeah. parking. But yeah, that's Robbie, a good reason to show up at Woodstock. <laughs> Robbie Robertson kind of forced this. Uh, you know, one of the band members, Richard Manuel, had a serious boating accident. Other guys were known when they get on the roads to start doing a lot of drugs. Surprise, surprise! It's, yeah. And so he just sort of went, "Look, we've been doing this for twenty-something years. I'm ready to go out on my own." And so a lot of them did go out separately doing things, acting or whatever else. Robert Rock, none of them really had a big career after this. That's the reason why they tried to come back. 
interesting thing here. Eric Clapton said in 1968 when he heard their first album, he says, it changed my life. Hmm. Wow. Well, thanks, Wayne. Hey, not a problem. That was the band The Last Waltz. All right. Well, now let's go on to our entertainment track from April of 1978. Yes. It started a five-week miniseries and turned into a 13-year-long run starring Larry Hagman, Dallas. There you go. I remember, I remember sitting on the, on the couch with my grandmother. Was it Sunday night this thing came on? Was it was it Friday night? I, can't, I, I don't know. I, I never watched it. I remember, it. Sitting there, I remember <laughs> sitting there watching it with her, though. I, I just I just remember the who shot Jr. thing. Oh yeah, yeah, that was at the end. That was towards the end. I mean, I yeah. think the Dallas Cowboys were doing well. People were always talking about the oil and the mm-hmm. richness coming out of Texas and everything. Seventy yeah. eight. Also, April nineteen seventy eight, the Bob Newhart show airs its last one. But of course, he'd come back with Newhart. Steve Martin performs the original King Tut on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> That's classic. And the Blues Brothers make their first appearance on the show. The Amazing Spider-Man was a little small uh, TV series. It didn't really. It just. I think it didn't it started, last year. It started on the Electric Company, like a little spinoff in the middle of the Electric Company. Oh, show. really? Yeah, yeah. That's how that got started. Hmm. One of my favorite uh, television game shows, Card Sharks, came out in April 1978. What was what show was that? What is that? That's where you, they throw two. Uh, Cards up there, and yet, or a card up there, and you had to go higher or lower, or change oh. the card, or freeze. Oh yeah, I remember that. That's, yeah. they, they, wasn't that also like a mini game on Price is Right? Yeah, so, yeah, they've st- yeah, Price is Right stole everything. Jeez. How dare Can you? you? <laughs> Bob Barker is a legend. All right, well that was entertainment in April of '78. Now we're going to go to Lynch for the first staff pick. What do we have, Lynch? You probably recognize that. Oh just yeah, from the, just from that opening, right? Gotta love that riff. You're hearing Eric Clapton, Lay Down Sally. It's the same kind of genre as uh, Muddy Waters, isn't it? Oh, yeah, we talked about it. He, went, he was the best man at his wedding, there so yeah. That is wrong. You to stay here yeah, this is, um, this is one of those rare instances where Eric Clapton came up with the name of the song first. Oh, yeah. said, and they were sitting around in the studio, and he says... I got a song I want to write about Lay Down Sally. It's about a girl who we're just laying in bed, and she wants to get up and go do stuff, and I'm just like, just lay down, hang out. (laughs) It's grammatically incorrect. It should be Lie Down Sally, but that doesn't sound nearly as good. (laughs) English teachers around the (laughs) world are so frustrated by this song. Yeah, my wife is not not happy with this. (laughs) Maybe he was high on cocaine. It's possible. Driving that train. Yeah, so he was sitting. He, he was sitting around the studio. Uh, it was uh, him and uh, Marcy Levy, and uh, his guitarist George was sitting around with him. Okay. And, and he goes, "Hey, I got this song." And he kind of like he had the he had the opening to it in his head. He's like, "Let's write this song," and let, they wrote the song sitting there, just like in a jam session. <laughs> yeah, just a jam session song, and recorded it like the next day. Nice. Not too bad. It's not. It's not a deep song. It's. It's about hanging out, being kind of relaxing, and it's got a good sound to it. It's got a, yeah. it's got a good beat to it. This is on the same album, Slow Hand as Cocaine. Yeah, yeah, and everything. I remember being at a battle of the bands 
And these guys got up, did cocaine, and other people were doing their own song. And, of course, the group that did cocaine won the Battle of Bands. And I was talking to one of the other band members, and he's just going, I can't believe they won with that song. With I a mean, cover. And an easy cover to do, yeah. too. It was not a hard, hard song. They could have done Smoke on the Water. Yeah. Or I Shot the <laughs> Sheriff, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, too, yeah. What's your guys? Uh, what's your guys' favorite Clapton song? Let me, let me, Layla. Let me, give, let me give you a couple, and you tell me which one of these. Is yeah, your favorite. yeah. Layla, Bell Bottom Blues, Wonderful Tonight, Tears in Heaven, Crossroads, or Cocaine. I'll, I'll tell you. There, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you three because Sandy's favorite would be Wonderful Tonight. Okay. My favorite is probably Layla, the original version. The original. The original Layla, version. Okay. But I also would say he did one called "Change the World." Uh, oh, you like that one? Yeah, uh, that one is a is a really good one. It's a little bit more R and B than it is, you know, the the standard. That was later on too, right? What about you, Wayne? Let it rain. Let it rain. I didn't, I didn't even pick that song on the, I know. I, for you to choose from. Hey, I went to the concert and yeah, um, I took at my girlfriend's at the time best friend cousin to the concert because she was doing some you know babysitting and stuff for her. so I took her and she cried during she cried during the concert that was her, her favorite concert and yeah I went to it and I'm just going oh, come on come on play it no. even in Layla he did the acoustic version so all right Rob what you got I'm not a huge Eric Cla- Clapton fan but I would say you look wonderful tonight's a nice ballad it's that's good. a good one yeah I like uh, I like when they did the um, the video with uh, Prince of uh as my guitar gently. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. really good. If you haven't seen that, it's YouTube good. that one. That's a yeah. that's a fantastic video. Well, Bruce, you bring in the next one. What do you have here? I am. Guys, let's. How about some positivity? <laughs> Wait, is is one of my favorite TV shows coming on? <laughs> What's going on here? I had to look because I was thinking we might have already done this, but even if we had, it would be okay because. You're familiar with Cynthia Fee's re-recording of this song as the theme to The Golden Girls. Oh, okay. But this is the original. Andrew Gold put out Thank You for Being a Friend on his third third album called All This and Heaven Too. It reached number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, I remember this one distinctly. I don't even remember. I never watched The Golden Girls, so... But yeah, I can. You need to leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great uh, song. I, I feel like I've done this before to edit old videos too. Yeah, yeah. and show all the. Yeah, sure. oh, it's a happy song. Yeah. yeah, but you can like clip. You could just see people waving at the camera and going from one to the other to the other. Well, and this was used that way um, for Casey Kasem. So. In his final American Top 20 and American Top 10 broadcast. Oh, really? He, uh, there was a request that came in for Casey's retirement in July of 2009. First off, did you realize that guy was doing that in 2009? I did. It used to be the Top 40, so obviously yeah. he was shuttering that because those things would go on. You go Sunday mornings, and that was on for four hours. It was like hours. four hours, yeah. From like 1919 until 2009, right? <laughs> I mean, right. my God, it felt like forever. No, that was Dick Clark. That was Dick, oh, Dick Clark, my bad. So they did. They ended it. He had, he started in 1970 with the, the top 40, and then he moved on to the top 20, top 10. 
And, uh, of course, he ended the episodes with his standard motto, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Oh, yeah. I find this almost diametrically opposed of his previous song was Lonely Boy. Yeah. yeah, know, yeah. Oh, what a lonely boy. Yeah, you know. this is not the first time Andrew Gold has appeared, I, is I, it? I covered that one. In, okay. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a good musician. Yeah. And I love the way he tells stories. I love yeah. his lyrics. Well, that was the, the 60s and 70s worst storytelling stuff. I mean, yeah. that, you, you had people who did that. We talked about Gordon Lightfoot. We talked about right. a lot of these people. Jim Proshi. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I don't know. We sort of lost that. Then it just became sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Dang it. Well, <laughs> according to Wikipedia... Gold said this song was just a little throwaway thing, and it took about an hour to write. So I see this one as coming out of a kind of a, like you were saying, Lynch, about the the jam session. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's just kind of playing around, and then it just just kind of the muse hits him. It's got a little bit of psychedelic going on in there. A little bit. A little yeah, a little dream weaver. That's what I was about to say, Wayne. Yeah. Biddy's going acapella at the end here. And then bring it back. I could just see Blanche walking out of the door. (laughs) (laughs) Blanche had the biggest crush on her. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, man. I watched me some damn Golden Girls, okay? I'm not ashamed at all. In fact, I still love Golden Girls. If if I'm watching TV and it just comes on, I'm probably going to finish it. But I also, also watch Matlock, too, so there whatever. <laughs> Matlock's amazing. You guys are... Uh, I, it, that's a sleeper TV murder, show. Murder, murder, she wrote. Murder, she wrote's amazing. <laughs> I love them. Listen, I'm secretly a 95-year-old woman. <laughs> uh, I do like the positivity, though. You run in... We've talked about that before. You get different songs and... And there's certain ones that just are going to build you up, yeah. you know, regardless of, of, of your mood. This is one of them. Hey, thank you guys for being a friend. Yes. <laughs> I, I want to thank you. <laughs> if you do a That's party easy and talk. invited everyone, All I, right. I, probably, I probably show up. we got to move on now <laughs> to Mr. Rob. What you got, Rob? Okay, guys. This group was formed in 1974 in San Francisco by former group Jefferson Airplane by members Paul Kantner, Grace Slick, and in 1975 they added Marty Balin, who was the lead vocalist earlier for Jefferson Airplane. This is Jefferson Starship, obviously, because it's the second iteration. They've gone from Airplane to Starship. And what's the third iteration? Just Starship. <laughs> they just keep changing their name <laughs> and adding or removing a word from it. Marty Balin, Grace Slick, Paul Kantner, Craig Shaquico, David Freeberg, Pete Sears, and John Barbada. This song made it to number eight on the Billboard 100. What, what kind of genre do you think? I mean, it is softer, but like... Yeah, this is, I would still consider this rock, but it's more, it's it's soft rock with maybe a little bit of that California country canyon type of stuff The country going on. is what I was thinking. I'm, I'm still kind of thinking this could be sung by 
by Journey at the time. Okay, you know that's a great thought. Who who do you think could be singing it? This is Elevator Rock, man. You think? This is Elevator Rock for sure. Man. What do you think, Bruce? Maybe Publix Rock. So Publix I, Rock? No, <laughs> nowadays for sure. When I heard it, I was like, I hadn't heard it in a long time, and I heard it for the podcast doing the research, and I was thinking it sounds a little bit like My Sweet Lord by George Harrison, yeah, the no. way that the harmonies are in the background and kind of the tempo and everything. Well, he was sued on that song, so. It's got a little bit of that. I can also see Eric Clapton playing it. Oh, for sure, Eric Clapton could play this. It kind of fits in that way, but it's it is a lot softer. But when I when I played it, I was like, I haven't heard this in a while, and it's a really I chill song. I want to say song. you did you did uh, Jane. I think you know, Bruce did or that. Bruce, mm-hmm. someone did Jane, uh, you know, ages ago. Yeah. You know, or, and as we covered, everyone hated Bruce for that. <laughs> no, no, that's a great song. Jane's no, I mean, a great song. I hated him for stealing the song. Oh yeah. Not me, though, Bruce. I didn't hate you. They have had a lot of hits, whether they're Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, or Starship. They did. They were hit makers, for sure. Now, this is it's Mickey Thomas on lead, isn't it? No, this is Marty Balin. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay, this is before Mickey Thomas got Yeah. Me. Okay. They, they brought him in. Balin was with Jefferson Airplane from 65 to 71. That's when they did Somebody to Love and White Rabbit and all those big hits. And then... Um, Slick and Cantner said, hey, we're reforming, and this is what we're going to do. And so he, he joined them, and they made magic. Nice. Thanks for that one, man. All right. Now we're going to the man who started it all. Wayne's bringing us this hit. Is this not the coolest guy in rock and roll? Yeah, I love him, man. He's got the best smile. I'll tell you that. The guy's photogenic as heck. We're talking about Robert Palmer. He makes amazing amazing music videos, too. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I like his backing band. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> talking about another positive song. This is every kind of people. Upbeat, positive. I mean, really... We kind of got rid of the whole the negative stuff in the early 70s, and we're just like, hey, we're going to just have fun. And here we are. Yes. You know who could sing this song? The Bee Gees. The Bee Gees <laughs> can totally sing this song. You know, they could, but also Stevie Wonder. Oh, that's true. Stevie Wonder is actually did sing this song, didn't he? Could have. Like the still drum in there. Mm-hmm. I, I do like it. Kind of got a very Caribbean feel. He actually lived down there for years and everything. But, you know, the, the thing is, whether yellow, black, or white, each and every man's the same inside. You know, you got to know love's the only gold that can bring peace to any soul. I like it. They're all pink on the inside. I really thought that the um, that that this was something done by war. Really? It yeah. sounds very much like war. Yeah. Well, really, it should sound like Free because the bass player for Free wrote this song, Andy Frazier. He also wrote the song All Right Now. Ah, okay. And if you start listening, you'll hear that bass groove. Obviously, he's playing the bass, and he's going to make it a little bit more prominent in doing that. But, yeah, this reminds me actually more of Marvin Gaye. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yep. There you go. That's even better than Stevie Wonder. Marvin Gaye, yep. 
So if you didn't know who Robert Palmer was, he had tons of songs. The songs off his solo album, Sneaking Sally Through the Alley, Sailing Shoes. He's, he's got a couple of songs we may get to eventually in the 80s that were sort of popular. Man, get out of here, man. <laughs> Those songs are rocking. We've already covered them. We did? Yeah. Also that Bad Case of Loving You, Doctor, Doctor. Oh, yeah. Give me the news. His greatest hits is a must for any collection. I'm sorry. And in front of Supergroup, you guys remember the Supergroup in the late 80s? I believe that was Power Station. That's right. Remembers of Duran Duran and him and some other guys. Yeah, that's really when I uh, came to prominence for me was as the Power Station. Then I started kind of investigating some of his other stuff. He's out of Yorkshire, England. His family moved to Malta. I thought it was interesting. His dad worked for uh, British Naval Intelligence. And then when I saw this, I went, holy crap. Did you say he fam- his family moved to Malta? Malta. You're not going to. Where's that? Malta, yes. Oh, I can't believe that. That's There's yeah. not going to be too many people from well, Malta. Well, he was a heavy tobacco user and smoked as many cigarettes, 60 cigarettes a day. He died of a heart attack in 2003 at age 54. Yeah, we talked about that from smoking, really. He was a chain yeah, smoker. exactly. All right. Well, thanks. Well, now we're going on to either a laugh track or an instrumental. And Wayne's double dipping here. Well, the band had two things that were called Jam 1 and Jam 2. This is Jam 1. And speaking of Eric Clampton, he's in on this along with pretty much anybody and everybody that just wanted to jam. So, you know, we talked about how people would sit down and just start coming up with songs. And this is what they do. They just get together and some the drummer start throwing a beat and the bass guy will start hitting it and everything else. But we usually use this time to get to what we didn't get to before. But top hits of April 1978. I don't know. There was this song Come called on, say it. Night Come on. Fever, the Bee Gees. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> The Bee Gees. And number two was Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. All right, lay down, Sally, and then we can't smile without you. Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. I got to say, that I mean, he's got some really, really good songs. Yes, Mandy. but he does not belong on What the Real. Yeah. <laughs> I almost picked Barry Manilow just because I knew you were going to say that. I didn't. Yvonne Elman had, If I Can't Have You, I Don't Want Anybody Else. Remember that? Do you know who wrote that song? No, who wrote that song? The Bee Gees. Correct. <laughs> the, the Bee Gees were not only producing and recording their own hits, they were writing half the other hits in 1978. And they wrote Kansas' song, Dust in the Wind. <laughs> they wrote... Uh, um, Which was a top hit. Islands in the Stream for Kenny Rogers they and Dolly Parton. All right, music of April 1978. Prince had an early album called For You. Rainbow, Long Live Rock and Roll, Jethro Toe, Heavy Horses, Aretha Franklin, Already Fire, Johnny Cash, I'd Like to See You Again, Rick James, Ringo Starr, Cold Chisel had their debut album. You remember Cold Chisel? Oh, we got yeah. turned on to them from um, our friend in Australia. Yep. Cheap Trick, Heaven Tonight, the Jerry Garcia Band, Cats Under the Stars, and the soundtrack to FM. No static at all. I looked at this, and I went, holy crap. And I think this is sort of like a greatest hits thing. But, I mean, Celia Dan, Bob Seger, Steve Miller, Warner, Tom Petty, Randy Meisner, Eagles, Boz Skaz, Boston, Linda Rodstead, Jimmy Buffett, Dan Fogelberg, Billy Joel, the Doobie Brothers, James Taylor, Joe Walsh, Queen, are all on that album. Wow. Yeah, so massive album. 
All those connections. Yeah. Well, you've been listening to April of 1978. We're What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?